Life has its ups and downs. Life can be hectic. Life can be fun. And life is full of choices. Welcome to Venture, the podcast that brings the biblical truth to the ventures that we face in this world today. Hi, I'm Dan Wills, pastor at Chandler Acres Church in Bellevue, Nebraska, and your host here on this podcast uh, of Venture. I do want to say good morning to you all, and uh, also a Merry Christmas. Uh, We're one week away from celebrating our our Lord's birthday. And so if you're new with us, uh, we are in part three of a a four-part message series called God With Us. And this coming week, uh, we are celebrating our Christmas services, and I'm sure you will be too as well. And if you would like to join us uh, live at Chandler Acres in Bellevue, uh, we will have our normal service at 1030 a.m. at Chandler Acres in Bellevue. You can just look up our website at chandleracreschurch.com and find directions. Uh, We will also have our candlelight service on Monday, uh, December 24th at 6 p.m. Same place, and I hope you would uh, join us for that service as well. And I hope you'll let God prompt you to to reach out to people who might not normally come to church and maybe uh, invite some friends, maybe some family that uh, you would love to have come with you on that weekend as well. I'm going to be teaching uh, this coming weekend on Matthew chapter 1, verse 23, uh, and it's from which we get this title message of the series uh, of God with us. And it says, Uh, in our scriptures, that the the virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son, and they shall call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. And so we're talking about the presence of God in different seasons of life because we experience God in different ways. And based on what's going on in life around us, that's how we uh, experience God in many different ways. The first week we talked about the presence of God in the valleys. Uh, We learned the key principle that we may enjoy God on the mountaintops, but we get to know him intimately in the valleys. Last week we talked about God in the wilderness. God often whispers in the wilderness. And why does God so often whisper? He whispers because he's close. And we learned the valuable principle last week that our deepest needs becomes a gift when they drive us to depend on God. Our deepest needs become a gift. That's exciting to know that. So today what I want to do is I want to talk to you about God's presence in the storms. Now I've shared this saying with you before. Uh, You're either coming out of a storm or you're in the middle of a storm or there's a storm around the corner. In other words, life can be really difficult. And they know that's not very encouraging, but it can really be true. It seems like you're either coming out of a difficult time in the middle of one or oftentimes around the corner. There are just difficult and painful things that happen in this world. Where is God with you in the midst of the storm? We had some big storms hit our country in the past couple of years, a couple of big hurricanes. And I was kind of thinking about this because I found it kind of funny to me that that we name killer storms after names of people. Have you ever thought about that for a moment? We had Hurricane Irma, we've had Hurricane Harvey, and I know recently we had another one. And I'm glad that we just don't name uh, everyday events after people's names. Think about that for a second. Like, 
if you couldn't make it to work and you started naming your excuses of why you couldn't make it to work, you could be something on the lines of, well, boss, I couldn't come in today because of hangover Howie. I mean, he just wiped me out. He was like a category four hangover. It was ridiculous. Or another one is maybe you could say, I'm really sorry. I couldn't be there, boss. I got hit with diarrhea, Diana. Man, that was bad. Whew. I wouldn't wish that on anybody. She was bad. Imagine how odd it would be if you would name stuff after categories of life. And for years, this wasn't the case. They didn't use, uh, used to use names uh, on the storms, and they didn't used to name them after people. What they named them after was geographic places. And then in 1954, and I know you're probably wondering, wow, Dan, you've done some research on this. Well, yeah, I did some research because, of course, I'm a pastor. I only work on Sundays. But anyway, so uh, I just want you to know, uh, I looked into this. And in 1954, that was the first year that U.S. meteorologists started naming storms after their wives or girlfriends. Think about that. How stupid is that? So imagine I'm a meteorologist and, and I come home and I'm like, to my wife, I say, hey, Jen, there's like this Category 5 storm, and it's going to kill a lot of people, leave tons of damage, and it just happened to remind me of you. I called it Hurricane Jen. Do you feel loved? What in the world were they thinking, right? And for 25 years, they named storms after females. And then in 1979, there was an equal right for storms, apparently, because they started to name them after men as well. I also learned in my research that if there's a particularly bad storm, they retire the name and never, ever use it again. So that's my little history lesson on naming storms. Unfortunately, some of you who are listening right now are in a storm that you're currently dealing with, that you're tempted to name. Something on the lines of this, I just wish that I could get through the storm divorce. I wish I could get through storm depression. I wish I could get through this financial storm. I wish I could get through this relational storm. Whatever it is, sometimes we find ourselves in the middle of real, real pain. And we just want the storm to go away. So what do you do when you're in the middle of a storm? Unfortunately, a lot of people, when it comes to God, they'll often blame God for a storm or, or they'll question, where is God? Why is God allowing this? I don't understand where, where is God in the storm? So our key thought for today is this, never allow the presence of a storm to cause you to doubt the presence of God. Let me say that again. Never allow the presence of a storm to cause you to doubt the presence of God. I want to look today in Acts 27, and we'll spend most of our time in the book of Acts, and we're going to look at some men who are on a boat in the middle of a massive, crazy storm. And this storm went on for several days, and the crew was so terrified, they started throwing cargo overboard, and they just believed the storm was going to take them out. This was a storm they thought they would not survive in. So let's pick it up in our text, Acts 27, chapter 27, verse 20. When neither sun nor stars appeared for many days and the storm continued raging, we finally gave up all hope of being saved. I want to pause there for a moment because that, that phrase really gets to me because I talk to people all the time that have just given up hope. There's just no way our marriage is going to make it. 
There's no way we'll ever climb out of this financial debt. There's no way we're going to beat this cancer. I'm going to be alone for my whole life. We're never, ever going to be able to conceive. After what happened, I'm never going to be able to afford graduating from college. They gave up all hope. And the storm continued to rage, and they gave up all hope. Let's read on. After they had gone a long time without food, Paul stood up before them and said, Men, you should have taken my advice not to sail from Crete. Then you would have spared yourselves this damage and loss. You see, Paul was just a regular guy. As spiritual as he was, he was not above doing what so many of us love to do. And that is, when you're right, you love telling people, I told you so. If you had just listened to my my advice, you wouldn't be in the middle of the storm. Why were they in the storm? They were in the storm because it was their fault. Because they made a decision to go out when the environment was risky. Have you ever noticed that sometimes in Christian circles, so many people love to blame the devil for everything? It's the devil's fault. The devil made me do this. The devil did this. No, sometimes it's not the devil. Sometimes it's your own dumb fault. Sometimes you're in the middle of a storm because you just spent too much money. Sometimes you're in the middle of the storm because your emotions got the best of you and you said something you shouldn't say. Sometimes you're in the middle of a storm because you procrastinated and put it off. It's not the devil's fault you didn't pass your final exam. Sometimes you're in the middle of the storm because it's just your own fault. Maybe that's why they gave up hope, because it's their own fault. Now, I don't know about you, but it's easier for me to believe that God will get me out of a storm when God got me into the storm than it is for me to believe that God will get me out of the storm when I got myself into the storm, right? This is my fault. I don't even deserve to be rescued. And the storm continued to rage, and they gave up all hope. Now, there are some people on the boat that it probably wasn't their fault, right? I don't know how big the crew was, but let's just say there was probably a few guys on there that said, hey, you know what? Paul is saying we shouldn't go. So we probably shouldn't go. But the captain said, and so the guys ended up on there, and they're in the middle of a storm, and it's not their fault. So I would like to ask you a question. How many of you have ever been in the middle of a storm and it wasn't your fault, you know? Just kind of uh, acknowledge that. You you know, sometimes as kid, your parents, they end up divorcing and you're in the middle of a storm that wasn't your fault. Your company made all sorts of bad decisions and they ended up having to downside and you were a casualty of it. And you're in a storm that really wasn't your fault. You trusted somebody. They gave you their word. You believed them at their word. You thought that they would do what they said they would do. They didn't deliver, and then one day you're in a storm, and it wasn't your fault. Whatever the case may be, in the middle of the storm, sometimes it's easy to give up hope. And the storm continued to rage, and they gave up all hope. Never, never let the presence of a storm cause you to doubt the presence of God. Let's read on. Verse 22, But now I urge you to keep up your courage, because not one of you will be lost. Only the ship will be destroyed. Verse 23 says, Last night an angel of the God to whom I belong and whom I serve stood beside me. Let's pause there for a second. Kind of think about that for a moment. Paul was kind of being cocky there, wasn't he? He's in the middle of a boat and an angel stands beside him, right? An angel of the Lord stands beside him. 
Now, you may not be aware of this, but there are probably even angels wherever you are right now. And I believe with all my heart that, that what we see with our physical eyes is not all there is. That there is a spiritual world that goes beyond what we have, the ability to see, and there is a spiritual battle going on all the time. But imagine that you're in the middle of a storm and the presence of God is with you in that moment. You have no idea all the different ways that God is with you. He could be with you in the form of a supernatural being, an angel. He is with you in the form of a spirit, especially if you are a, a follower of Jesus. His spirit dwells within you. He goes before you. Our God is already in tomorrow because time, uh, he's not bound by time. And he's hearing our prayers. He's comforting you in your hurts. He's directing you when you're lost. You see, you have no idea all the different ways that God is with you in the presence of a storm. And Paul says, an angel of the Lord stood beside me in the middle of the storm. Never let the presence of a storm cause you to doubt the presence of God. I want to give you a little bit of a, a bonus verse here as well. This is what Paul told Timothy in 2 Timothy 4, 16 through 17. He said, everybody else deserted me. No one stood by me, but the Lord stood at my side and gave me strength. Some of you, you're going to realize this. In what you're going through right now, the Lord has not left you. He is still with you at your side and he's giving you strength. David said this in the Old Testament. He said, I know the Lord is always with me. I will not be shaken for he is right beside me. It's all about who is beside you, who's with you. When you realize that God is with you, it changes your posture. It changes your mood. It builds your faith. It redirects your mindset. It's all about who is with you. When you recognize that even though you're in the presence of a storm, but the Lord is right by you, he is with you and he's strengthening you, it changes how you ride out the storm. It's all about who's in the boat in the middle of the storm. In fact, in the New Testament, there's a powerful story about the disciples being in a different boat and in a different storm. What's funny about this one is that Jesus was actually asleep underneath in the boat and the disciples did what we so often do in the middle of a storm. They freaked out. This isn't fair. We're going to die. Jesus, where are you? Why don't you care? Aren't you going to do anything? This isn't good. I don't like this. Where is this going? And Jesus comes on board and he says, why are you so afraid, ye of little faith? And Jesus also says, peace, be still. And they experienced peace in the boat. Why did they experience peace in the boat? Because Jesus was on the boat. Real peace is not found in the absence of a storm. Peace is found in the presence of Jesus. Real peace isn't found in a trouble-free life. You will never have a trouble-free life. It's impossible. Following God doesn't mean that bad days don't happen. That's bad theology to think that it does. Jesus said that in John 16, in this world, you will have trouble. And that's a promise from Jesus. But take heart, he says, for I have overcome this world. Real peace is not found in the absence of trouble. Real peace is found in the presence of Jesus. He is with me, right beside me. He will never leave me. He will never forsake me. Go back to verse 23 again. It says, last night an angel of the God to whom I belong and whom I serve stood beside me. Read on. And said, do not be afraid, Paul. 
you must stand trial before Caesar, and God has graciously given you the lives of all who sail with you. In other words, you can't go down in this battle, Paul, because God has more battles for you to fight. Someone listening needs to hear this right now. You can't go down in this battle because God has more for you to do. He's not finished with you yet. If you're not dead, you're not done. God has more people for you to love. He's got more opportunities for you to serve. He's got more times that he's calling you to be a blessing. You're not going down in this. The ship may go down, but the storm will not take you out. In fact, God will use what you learn in your storm to prepare you to help others through their storms. And I love that because that means it gives a purpose behind the storm. The storm didn't surprise God. He's doing something in you. He's speaking to you. He's strengthening you. He's deepening your roots and he will use what you learn in your storm to help somebody else through theirs. One day you'll say, I've been through a storm just like that. We survived unfaithfulness in our marriage, and you can survive it in yours as well. We've overcome financial hardship. We did what was right, and we climbed out of debt. And you can climb out of debt as well. I used to be in bondage to to this or, or to that, but by the grace of Jesus, he set me free. And the same Christ who set me free can set you free as well. And suddenly you start to become an evangelist for the presence of God who never leaves you in the middle of a storm. God is doing something. He's working in you. You don't always know it when you're in the storm. But on the other side of the storm, when you're safe on shore, you often look back and say, Whew, wouldn't want to go through that one again. Wouldn't want anybody else to go through that one as well. But I would never, ever trade it for the intimacy, for the spiritual depth, for the character, for the trust, the faith in my God that is a result of being in that storm. Let's read on. Verse 25. So keep up your courage, man, for I have faith in God that it will happen just as he told me. I have faith in God that it will happen. My faith is not what I see. My faith is in what God says. I have faith in God that he says what he says will come to pass. I have faith in God that it will happen. My faith is not in the boat. My faith is in the one who commands the wind and the waves. My faith is not in the ship. My faith is in the one who created the trees that made the ship. I have faith in in my God that it will happen, that he will see us through, that he will be my deliverance, that he will provide, that my God will bring healing that in the middle of the storm, I will experience his peace. I have faith in God that it will happen. Here's the bottom line. And you're probably not going to like this. You can't control when a storm blows up. You can't control how severe the storm is. And you can't control how long the storm lasts. You can't control what people say about you. And you can't control what people do to you. But... You can control what you believe, and you can control where you put your faith. See, my faith is in the one who created the wind and the waves. My faith is in God. I have faith in God that what he says will come to pass. What he says will happen. Who is God? The psalmist in Psalm 46, 1 through 3 says, God is our shelter. In the middle of the storm, he is our hiding place. He is our safety. He is our strength. 
He is always ready to help in times of trouble. Why? Because he is with us by our side. Because he is with us. We will not be afraid, even in the, if the earth is shaken and the mountains fall into the ocean depths, even if the seas roar and rage and the hills are shaken by violence. We can say it this way, even if I lose my job, even if the relationship does fall apart, even if the economy gets shaky, I still will not be afraid. Why? Because he is with me. Because he will never leave me. Because he will never forsake me. He is what I need. He is my safety. He is my strength. He is my comforter. He is my source. He is my redeemer. He is my righteousness. He is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. He is a rock. He is the living bread, the bread of life. He is the living water that satisfies my soul. He is the gate through which I enter. He is the guide who directs my step. He is my comforter that ministers to me in the time of need. He is my peace. The virgin will be with child. Who is he? He is Emmanuel. He is God with us. Thanks for listening today. I hope you enjoyed it. Please join us next week on Monday for another installment of Venture as we continue our series and finish it off with week four of God with us.